0: Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. As always, we appreciate you giving us your time. want to discuss a a new topic today, um, cultural awareness. The further I go down this path, the more I realize there are just moments where people uh, are just not really aware of things that... um, you know, I I've I've learned in my past, uh oftentimes uh forced exposure, right? Being put in different positions, different places, uh, you know, different environments. Um, the the result has been an awareness that I just sometimes am not sure people uh are are aware of. Uh you know, the perfect example uh, to paint the picture is if you're born in a small town, which many of you people out there probably were born in a small town, uh the, you know, the there's this moment in, in life where it's I'm either gonna stay here pretty much forever, or I'm gonna get out of here and see what the world is all about. And that moment is a very significant moment. Uh you know, to know what it's like in that small town. Is it's it's not an easy thing to do. If you come from outside of it, it's just like to learn what it means to be in the city. When you're from a small town, is not an easy thing to do. And that exposure creates a, a different kind of awareness. All right. So that's just one example. There's a million examples. There's probably more than a million examples of things that force cultural exposure. Language could be one of them. Uh, you know, geography could be one of them and so on. So I wanted to address how do we get culturally aware? And what exactly does it mean to be culturally aware? I'm going to outline some things. These are going to be. They're going to sound a little bit academic at first, uh, but then I'm um, hopefully if uh, if I do this well, um, at the end, uh, I, I will I, I will emphasize a social, uh, a psychological aspect to it, um, not just what is culture, but how does that really affect. People at the individual and the gr- the small group level. First, there's a there's a <clears throat> uh, culture by definition is an accumulation of individuals. If you take out the individuals, there is no such thing as culture. You have to have the individuals in order to have a culture. It doesn't work backwards. You if you take out culture, you could still have a bunch of individuals, right? You think about the old uh, farmsteads and uh, ranches and, you know, there, there may have been only a few people there. They have their own sort of thing going on and it's really just a bunch of individuals and only in the conglomeration, the grouping of them, do we end up with culture. Um, so culture cannot exist without the individual. It just can't. Another thing I want to point at is why this is important. It keeps the power and influence in perspective. That's why it's important. It starts and ends with the individual. So the power, no matter what our culture tells you, the power starts and ends with the individual. This is why uh, we could have individual people create massive cultural movements because it starts and it ends with the individual. It's not the other way around. There are uh, people out there who would like to convince you that it starts and ends with the whole, but it doesn't. It, It can't. It can't. Because without the individual, it doesn't exist. There is no such thing. There are different aspects uh, in a culture. Like there's environments, geography. There's endeavors, like customs, right? There's economics. There's politics, religion, art, language, belief systems of different kinds. Those are all different aspects of culture that's made up by the individual. So I'll give you a, a, my background as an example. Right, Environments—I've been in many different environments. I've—I've I've been in the military. Uh, I've been in—you uh, know—public schools working with gang members. I've been in residential programs. I have been uh, in areas where I've been in small towns, in large cities. I've lived in both. So environments are those places, right? So I gave you some examples of types of environments, but just about anywhere you have been has its own environment. Environment does create limits to culture, right? If you live in a a mountain town, that location literally creates a culture, If you live on the plains and you can see for miles and miles and miles, when you look out across the plains, it creates a culture. If you walk into an office and it's got a feel to it, you'll notice that it's a culture. So culture exists in geography, but it also exists by means of the individuals making an environmental choice. Endeavors or customs, right? When I was in the military, the customs were very, very different. I've been in business. I've been an employee. I've been a manager. I've been in the military. I've been, I picked blueberries when I was 11, right? There's, there's different types of endeavors where you're going to experience different cultural influence, cultural pressure, cultural experience and feeling. Economics. Economics is a big one. I grew up, personally, I grew up super poor. We didn't have anything. Um, we, we, when I was young, this will date me, some of you are going to be like, oh my gosh, you're much older than I thought. I, I hope that's the case, <laughs> <laughs> that you, you think that way. That means I, I sound young and vibrant. Um, but when I was young, we got free government cheese in by the caseloads, because we, that was our primary substance. I still love cheese. Amazing. Um, you know, there's, there was a poverty that a lot of people in our country ignored and I was in it. It was the, you know, you look and you sound and you, you know, you go to school and you everything seems similar to me, but you don't have good clothes, you don't have uh, much food in the fridge, if any. Um, you know there was I was very fortunate that there was lots and lots of help around me. but economically, I went from that to where now I have moved out of that arena and into um, what would probably be considered you know middle class in our country. Uh, for the most part, uh, obviously, there's there's moments where it doesn't feel like that, but generally speaking, I feel super well off considering where I came from. And I am grateful for it every single day. But economics plays a part in culture. If we uh, acknowledge the poverty, if we acknowledge the diversity, if we acknowledge the, the wealthy, if we acknowledge uh, the, the, the different aspects, that's a good starting spot. It is not a finishing spot. I could go on and on. I could go into politi- politics and religion and art and language and stuff like that. They're all aspects of culture. Now that I've painted you a little bit of a picture, the nuances within each area. The easiest way for me to do that, I'm going to give you one example, and then you can extrapolate from there uh, a, maybe a better understanding. But this is how nuanced it gets. You went to high school, most likely, and most of you went to high school in the United States. I know because I look at the data where where at least the way we can see the data on who's been listening. And the vast majority of you are in the United States If you went to high school in the United States in one place, which is what you did, most likely, some of you traveled, you might have gone to many different high schools, but most people experience one or two high schools and you quickly learn the the nuances, the language that's used in a specific high school. But if you go and experience one in a different area of the country, even though you're still a high school student in the United States, you may experience a totally different language. Uh, Maybe the word is right on, or the words are dude, or the word might be yo, or YOLO, or whatever it is that people are saying these days. The The different schools are going to have different languages. That's how nuanced it is. So when we clump and assume, we make lots of mistakes. High school is not just high school. Each high school has its own uniqueness about it. And to think otherwise, honestly, I I think it's a little bit foolish, Not not even two high schools in the same town. If you've got two high schools in your city or five high schools in your city, they're all going to have their own unique nuances within the culture. And that's a big deal. So what has history taught me? History has taught me two things. There's two questions that I must ask myself. This is what history has taught me. Now, this is, even though this is clinical, I got to tell you, this is also, for for me at least, a very personal uh, topic. How does, here's the two questions, how does culture impact me? That's one. And that takes the big down to the little, the mass down to the individual. The other question is, how do I impact culture? If culture truly is made up of individuals, then what I bring to the table influences the way the big functions. So we bring up a hard topic. Something like, do do I go to the club? If I go to the club, then my individual decision says the club is valuable. If I don't go to the club, my individual says the club is not valuable. If enough people don't go to the club, what happens to the club? It closes. If it closes, then the culture changes. So by our every single day decision... From the little to the big, we influence culture. And once there has been enough of an influence, the culture then applies a pressure to sustain itself. All right, those are the two questions. How does culture impact me and how do I impact culture? Even a non-decision at the individual level equates to an impact on culture. So let me outline the, the big picture of culture. It starts with an individual. This is, this is like Sociology 101. It starts with the individual. It then translates into didactic, which means two people. Now you have a relationship of sorts, and interaction. From the didactic, it goes bigger, multiples, which then you may you may see pretty quickly, you have then norms and groupings. Norms and groupings. From individual to didactic, one to two, from two to many, which is norms and groupings. And then where culture applies pressure is on the next step. Once you have norms and groupings, you end up with beliefs. So the culture then impresses down upon its people the different beliefs. Think about what that translates to in, say, media or politics or sports. The individual relationship with the other becomes didactic, norms and groupings and beliefs. That's the spectrum. That's the spectrum that it works on. If that's the spectrum, the process, and this is going to challenge some of you, I'm sure, the process is clarify, classify, and discriminate between beliefs, groupings, relationships, and individuals. Now stick with me. I know I said some language in there that probably is irritating to some of you, I don't want to discriminate. Discriminate inherently wasn't a bad word. It has become that. Discriminate in mental health is to uh, tell the difference between. When we clarify, that's gathering information. We classify, we put it in groupings, and discriminating between says, I got to be able to tell the difference between the groupings. It doesn't mean that one grouping is better than another. That's what we say today when we talk about discrimination. But what it, it typically is supposed to mean in the mental health world is to tell the difference between. Well, there's only one way to tell the difference between this person and that person. No, there's not. If you're looking at only one thing, you are absolutely being naive and foolish because there's hundreds of ways to tell the difference between two people. And only one of them is the color of skin. Only one of them is going to be the volume that they speak. Only one of them... See, these different uh, areas that we ignore because we're focused on only one thing is a massive problem. Because the process requires clarification, classification, and discrimination between, hang with me, beliefs, groupings, relationships, and individuals. That's that spectrum, the individual didactic norms, groupings, and beliefs. We have to be able to clarify, classify, and discriminate between them. Otherwise, we see the mass as an individual or the individual the same as the mass. And that's not accurate. It's completely inaccurate. And it's not something we should be doing. It harms people all the time. I am not the same as my mom and my dad. I am not the same as my brother. Just because we were a grouping doesn't mean my beliefs, my individual uh, relationship approach, my didactic relationships are the same as theirs. This is why I can say with conviction and honesty, if in my past I had family that was enslaved or participated in slavery, owning people, It doesn't define me. Those individuals in my past do not define who I am because I am an individual. I have didactic relationships. I have participated in multiple norms and groupings and I have my beliefs. That's a lot to swallow at this point. I'm hoping that you are taking a look at culture in a uh, in a very investigative curious way based on this podcast that's my hope it's not to tell you you're doing it right or doing it wrong my hope is that you've learned something you've heard something here that maybe you're like huh i better like do my own research on that please do it What I tell you in here is, is not what to do, how to live, um, how to view things. It's I'm giving you a perspective and your job is to say, does that perspective fit? If not, where do I differ? Please do that because we can shape our culture, how we decide you as an individual. If you do nothing, it's a decision. If you do something, it's a decision. My hope is that you'll do something to be intentional about the culture you are creating by your individual acts, your individual treatment of others, because that's where it all starts. If we want to change our culture, it starts and it ends with the individual. Individuals have to stand up and say, I am going to love and not hate. I am going to support and listen. I am going to disagree with respect Individuals can do that. Individuals could also say, I'm going to hate and I'm going to fight. I'm going to be the victim. And I'm going to say that everything that was done in my history, my family history is on me to correct. We cannot go back there. We cannot go back. You've probably heard it from me in the, in the past. We cannot go back and change yesterday. But the way to change our past is to change today and survive to tomorrow. With that, I'm going to go ahead and sign out here. Thank you so much for listening to me. Please leave feedback, comments, uh, You know, rate my podcast, do all the things that you guys do. I appreciate you. See ya.